from coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Skylar Lippman. We would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community recording studio located in Edmonton, Alberta. We are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples who live and gather here. While you listen to this week's episode, consider your connection to this land, the connections of those who came before you, and the connections of those who will come after. As you may be aware, June is Pride Month, and to celebrate Pride Terra Informa style, we are exploring the relationship between queer people and the natural environment. So for this week, we are going to share with you an interview that Terra Informer Elizabeth Dowdell held with Kevin McBean. Kevin will share with us his experience as a gay man, an outdoors enthusiast, and member of the board of directors of Kent Mask Platoon. A few queer members of the Terra Informa team had the chance to reflect on their relationship with the environment and their identities as sexual minorities. For some of us, urban spaces can bring comfort and familiarity, Seeing a rainbow sticker or a trans flag in businesses or as part of urban art is a reminder that this is our space too. But what happens when we explore the natural environment? We tend to still think of the environment as a very heteronormative space, but we need to actively work to change that, and you'll get to hear Kevin's perspective on how we can do just that. If you can introduce yourself, give me your name, and tell me a little bit about who you are. Sure. My name's Kevin McBean. I'm a member of the board of directors of Camp Mask Tune. Um, I'm an English teacher here in Edmonton. I'm gay, and I really love your doors. Awesome. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about what is Camp Mask Platoon, and maybe um, some of your experiences in nature, some of what you like to do in the outdoors. Sure. So um, Camp Mass Platoon is an organization that I've been involved with since 2002. Um, and it's an overnight summer camp for kids aged 6 to 17 on Pigeon Lake, Alberta. Um, and so it's a really traditional summer camp. We've been around since 1956. And kids come for a week at a time. They stay in a cabin you know, with their same age peers um, and just do those really classic camp activities. It's kind of like camp like you imagine it, you know, or camp like you see in the movies, right? Uh, maybe a little more rustic than in the movies. But, you know, it's it's canoeing, it's campfires, it's, you know, overnight sleepovers in the woods, it's dress-up activities, it's crafts and arts and archery um, and theme dinners and just really good um, kind of back-to-nature fun, uh, you know, in a way that um, I think really resonates with a lot of kids today. Um, so I first started, um, I got involved with camp, um, I guess back, well, in 2002, I was 15, and uh, I started volunteering there. Uh, my older sister was on staff, and uh, I remember the first time I went out, it was, uh, I was not really sure about it, if this place was kind of for me. Um, but really, after spending like one week there, um, I kind of just fell in love. I mean, I spent three summers as a teenage volunteer. Uh, then I spent nine summers on staff, you know, all throughout my university degrees. Uh, and then for the last six years or so, I've been volunteering on the board of directors. So it, it has a pretty special place in my life. Um, so that that kind of is has been, 
you know, a, a large part of how I've been involved in outdoor life. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I grew up camping with my family. Those were trips we really took, you know, from the time that I was I was born, you know, with my family. Um, so we always kind of had the sense of being outdoors, and that was something that I always looked forward to every summer. Uh, and that's still something that I do a lot of today with, with my partner and with my friends is just, you know, camping in the summer. So, yeah, a little bit about um, your experience at Camp Mask Batoon. Can you tell me about being uh, either as a when you were an active camp counselor and maybe in your role now as executive director, how you bring in your like your identity as a gay man and how you um, do you feel like you get to be a role model for like young campers of what it means to be sort of um, like knowing your identity and having explored that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, my first three years uh, as a volunteer, so from the age of 15 to 17, um, I wasn't out yet. I wasn't out anywhere in my life to my friends or family and, and not at school and, and not at camp. Um, and I, I, I mean, camps, you know, can be very sort of heteronormative in some ways. Um, you know, there's there's still sort of often divided along gender lines, right? You're in boy cabins, you're in girl cabins, uh, which of course, you know, once you're in that space, you know, um, conversations among campers invariably, especially teenage campers, invariably turn to things like crushes and the dance that's at the end of the week and, and all of these things. And so I guess as a, as a teenage volunteer, I was aware of that, um, but it also didn't feel like it, it just didn't have the same kind of pressure. And, and I guess maybe that's because, you know, there were so many other traditions that seemed to, I don't know, allow another kind of possibility. So, you know, um, talent shows that seemed to revolve constantly around um drag really i mean they were they were drag shows at their core um you know and and not in a sort i, I mean just in a sort of fun way of, of experimentation i mean still today i walk around camp and you'll often see you know young boys painting each other's fingernails and and just kind of i don't know letting those gender norms down so i i always felt really comfortable in that space um you know, even in programs that like sports, which normally would have given me um, anxiety, just the word, um, you know, with its relation to kind of phys ed class, which was a space that I never felt um, safe in or, or good in. Um, sports at camp, I mean, is, is not, you know, your classic soccer and ultimate frisbee and football. You know, it, it's so often kind of... Um, you know, silly games, you know, um, giant balls and, you know, you have multiple people on the field and running in all directions and obstacle courses and, you know, wearing silly costumes. So, so even that space felt kind of, um, just really comfortable for me. Um, and so I, I, I think, you know, over my teenage years, you know, as I was coming to terms with my own sexuality as a, as a gay man, um, camp was a space that I was, really felt more comfortable than almost any other space in my life. Um, just where I felt like I could just be me. You know, I, I didn't pretend. Um, I didn't have to, you know, um, do all these things that I felt like I had to do in school to sort of fit in. Uh, and so my first year on staff, um, that was actually the summer that I came out. And um, I, I came out at the end of that summer. And I think... It was really that summer being at camp for the entire two months that kind of just gave me the the ultimate push and drive to do that. Um, 
Um, and so then going back for the you know next eight summers on staff, um, I, I was out at that point. Um, and it, it, it really did feel good. I mean, um, the program that I was working in was called the Spirits Program. Um, the camp is affiliated with the United Church. Um, and, and for those that don't know, the United Church is, is quite um, accepting and, and embracing of LGBTQ communities. And so I felt, you know, really welcome from that perspective. Um, I mean, the camp itself sort of has its roots there, but it hadn't been, you know, had a you know, a, a really strong, dedicated kind of Christian program for quite some time. Um, but nevertheless, I, I did this sort of spirits program. And it was really about, you know, your own values, your beliefs, um, building community, being a good neighbor, um, you know, friendship, stewardship of the environment. And so I felt that I was able to bring a lot of myself into that Um you know, and, and what I wanted to do was just give kids a place where they could talk about their own experiences and themselves and who they wanted to be and who they were. And um, and so, you know, now when I look at it today from a board perspective and when I'm out there doing staff training, uh, you know, it, it's really just amazing to see our young staff members who are so conversant in you know, things like, um, you know, we'll brainstorm, okay, what do we need to do when we're first meeting our cabins? And our young staff people will suggest, you know, find out their pronouns. Um, and I mean, that's just something that we never would have seen, you know, 10 years ago. Um, you know, and so we've built that into the training, but that our staff are already coming with that kind of knowledge, which is great. Uh, one of the things that, I mean, just delighted me, um, you know, and, and delighted the staff member that I was speaking with a couple of years ago, we were having a good chat. Um, and she was telling me about a camper who had come out to her and, and hadn't come out to anyone yet at all in their life and, and chose this camp counselor to um, kind of finally open up to. So, you know, when I hear stories like that, I know that we're doing uh, really great stuff. Or another example, there's a, a, a website called, I think it's the Queer Mapping Project. And it uh, it allows people basically to access you know a world map, and then they can pinpoint locations, and they can sort of write a little note about how they sort of cleared that space, you know, um, how they took this space mm. that might normally people would see as a very straight place, you know, maybe it's just a shopping center or a bar or a sports field or whatever, um, but they write their own experience as a queer person there, and and in that way, you know, you kind of look at the map and you see the way that you know there's queer people everywhere and there's queer activities happening everywhere um and i was really delighted when i went to share this with my students at school uh i saw that somebody had a uh, little written a little post about camp maskatoon um so for me that was you know more affirmation that that we were doing really good work that this was a space that people felt they could be themselves in do you feel like this experience you've had as a as a young person with camp maskatoon and now in your career are common um, for, for queer people? So, I mean, is this common for camps? Not as common as I'd like to see. Um, I, I spent two summers actually working for the Alberta Camping Association. And so in that role, I, I traveled around Alberta and I had the chance to visit about 60 summer camps across the province, um, you know, to read their policy manuals, to, um, you know, do site tours, to chat with their directors. Um, and and it's clear that um, not every camp is is terribly interested in opening up to that kind of diversity and inclusion. 
um, as we are. As some are, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of camps that are really, uh, I think, trying hard and they're having these conversations with their staff and volunteers and, you know, they're thinking about how they can be making sure that their programs are inclusive. Um, but I think a lot are still very much um, rigidly, rigidly uh, heteronormative, um, you know, to the point of homophobic, really, kinds of spaces. As for as for sort of your second question there, which was, you know, is this a normal experience for um, queer children? I, I don't know that it is. Um, first of all, I mean, a lot of kids don't attend camp. And I, I mean, there's other places where, where kids might be able to have the same kind of experience. Um, but but by and large, I, I don't know that they're seeing that necessarily in schools, um, as much work as schools are trying to do to, to reform their practices. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know without camp if, if there's another space that exists that does the same kind of work. I am sure there is. I'm just not familiar with it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's definitely something that, you know, I, I, I count myself lucky um, as a young gay person to have found a, a community early on that I felt accepted in. Can you tell me a little bit about this experience, you know, transforming and updating and modernizing a Christian camp? which I knew there was mm. sort of a religious element to Camp Maskwatoon, but I didn't really yeah. know that. But um, just experience of um, of updating and changing this kind of um, sure, yeah, institution, yeah. if you will. Um, and maybe, yeah, challenges or pushback or, like, the role, just what sort of a, an experience that was like. Sorry, I'm rambling. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I, I think I was probably presenting it as just this sort of like beautifully fluid process, you know, in, in my first iteration. And I think that's sort of the, you know, the trick with memory is as we kind of remember things. Um, but but really, I, I mean, there was some initial, I guess, challenge. I mean, when I first joined the board of directors, um, I, I was quite young. I'd had a number of summers on staff. Um, and there was, you know, a, a sort of old guard uh, of, of people around the table. And it's not that they weren't, um, I mean, I think, accepting and inclusive people. It's it's just, I, I don't think these kinds of things had ever even crossed their mind at all. Um, and, you know, I mean, I remember one board member, you know, maybe just before I joined the board, um, was really upset because, you know, he'd heard that they were playing, like, Lady Gaga songs at the dance. It must have been around 2007, 2008. And, and, you know, was just sort of concerned about, you know, the kids and this kind of music. And, and I think that was the moment that I became really aware that there was just this sort of um, disconnect from, from what youth culture actually was. Um, you know, that, that it wasn't that kids were sort of coming to camp and then they were being exposed to this sort of, you know, heathen pop music. Um, it, it's that camp was trying to and, and succeeding at you know, embracing the culture that the kids already were coming with, um, right? So, you know, saying, yeah, this is, this is what kids are listening to today, and, and we're going to play that. And, you know, we're also at the same time going to introduce them to, you know, fun older songs that maybe they've never heard before. Um, you know, and in that sense, camp always kind of has this timeless quality. You know, it's it's not unusual to be walking through the camp and hear, you know, the Beach Boys blasting from... Um, you know, a stereo in a cabin. Um, but, but I think at that moment I, I sort of realized, okay, there's, we're not on the same page here. Um, and so th- there was a little bit of, um, 
I guess just sort of question in terms of, okay, well, what exactly is it are you looking to change? Um, because camps can be, they can be sticky uh, at times in terms of what they are willing to change and embrace and, and what they're not. Um, and you, one of the things I did at that time was I, I kind of actually appealed to them on their sort of um, church connection. And, and the United Church has a program called Affirm, um, which is basically a process that, you know, any church congregation can kind of go through to discern how their church community is um, accepting and embracing and ultimately affirming of LGBTQ people. And, and so it starts with, you know, really um, strong conversations within the congregation and a whole process that they go through to kind of say, okay, how can we be a space that we want to actually live our inclusion? Um, and so I actually asked the board at that time if I could go to a, a conference of a firm. They were hosting one in Penticton. Uh, and so I went to kind of learn more about that and how we might take on from a sort of um, United Church perspective some of that um, kind of, of process uh, for the camp itself. Uh, and I came back from there feeling really, I, I think, really inspired, um, actually. Um, you know, I had been disconnected. I had grown up Catholic and I hadn't been super involved with the church. I had, you know, well turned my back on Catholicism Um and so I had always had this sort of uneasy relationship with the United Church. But attending that Affirm conference, I think, uh, affirmed for me that, you know, there were a lot of really interesting people that were um, combining their identities as queer people and as Christians in interesting ways. Um, and that, you know, we could kind of build on that history of the camp as a Christian space and, and play up that inclusive aspect of the Christian space. And so that's kind of what, what I started doing. Um, so in terms of other pushback, not, not really, um, you know, because so much of camp is, is dealing with kids, um, dealing with kids in that sense can be easy because kids are still so much more open-minded than adults are, um, you know, and, and kids I think are willing to, have those conversations um, in a lot of ways and also to kind of be corrected when maybe they do do something or say something that is actually really hurtful. Um, so it was really more the adults that, that we were concerned with. Um, but, you know, I, I don't recall getting any pushback um, from parents ever. Um, you know, increasingly we're seeing more um, trans campers coming out to camp. And, and so that's um, presenting some new issues just around our facility because we're a 64 year old facility um you know for how we how we manage things now like you know cabins that were originally designed you know and imagined to be very single gendered spaces um you know and, and same thing with bathrooms but that's been you know I, I mean that's sort of a subsequent issue i think that we can always figure out facility issues the most important piece is figuring out the people issues right how do we make sure that people are feeling accepted um and so even with that you know we have that um you know, as our policy now for, for how we ensure that trans campers feel comfortable. And we haven't heard any negative things from parents at all. Oh, amazing. Yeah, this parent side of it, um, and from your campers themselves, I think speaks highly, right, that, um, that you've got, you know, trans campers coming to your camp to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, mm -hmm. a testament to that level of inclusivity and how well it seems that Mask Platoon um, and sort of you and your board team have have approached this um, rethinking of what a camp can be and how it's, you know, maybe practicing those affirm 
values and ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question about sort of reconciling these multiple identities you might have, um, or even as a camp, but it sounds like there's maybe a bit of a reciprocal relationship that went on with this camp overhaul or with this camp update, um, dealing with things like uh, this Christian identity and timeless and traditional, and what does that mean in terms of being modern and open and inclusive, and your own sort of relationship to Christianity, um, mm-hmm. to religion, sort of comes through in a way through the the camp redevelopment process, which is um, kind of interesting to hear, kind of cool to hear, Kevin. Mm. Um, yeah, that one's not really a question. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. And and I, mean, I I guess I could respond to that um a, a little bit, you know, just in terms of those disparate identities. I I, I think. Um, and, and I understand sort of where you're coming from. I mean, I think there's so many different factors at play. I, I remember one time one of the board members who had never seen me, um, and this was when I was still on staff at camp, she'd never seen me um, at camp before. And she was really surprised when she came out one night and I was leading campfire songs and I was dressed as I normally was at camp, looking very, you know, outdoorsy, I guess, ready ready to do whatever I do at, uh, in a day at camp. And uh, she commented afterwards and she said, I, I just never really imagined you kind of fitting in here. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, when I see you in the city, you just seem so urban. You know, you have a Starbucks or you, um, you know, are coming from work or class and and." You know, she's like, I, I always just imagine that's sort of who you were. And I said, well, that is who I am. I mean, that's who I am when I'm in the city. I, I like Starbucks as much as the next person. And, you know, I have a job and go to school and all that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, here I'm I'm also this person and I'm both of them at the same time. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like it's the sort of alter ego, like I, I can only be one in one place and one in the other. You know, those those aspects of your identity always shift into each other. Um you know, and again, I go back to that that core value at camp about just authenticity, right? And and about being yourself. And that's not to say that there's ever just one version of yourself. Of course, you know, it that kind of shifts over time and and with different people. Um, but I think just allowing whoever you are to shine through at any moment, I think, is is so important. Um, and encouraging other people to do the same. Hmm. Oh, that's a really beautiful statement. I think a very um, powerful kind of statement to make and one that I think um, I have maybe another one or two questions, but I think that's definitely like a really beautiful quote to use to maybe sort of close the interview on is this um, importance of just always letting that honest self shine through. Um, As an adult who enjoys the outdoors, any recommendations or anything you would say to um like other queer or like non-binary adults who are looking to get to get more outdoors experience yeah that's a good question too um and maybe that's a little broad i know that you know the camp is a, a big center of that for you for sure no I, I, yeah and I, I see where you're coming from one of the things i i laugh about i one of my good friends uh is very not into camping and uh he's come camping with me a couple times both out to to camp muscatoon but also just sort of um you know front country camping and 
I mean, he makes it very clear that he does not like it. I mean, tenting, um, campfires, bugs, as he always says, there's just so much nature. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think at this point, you know, he's not really interested in, in sort of learning to, to love camping. And, and that's okay. That's part of who he is. And, you know, I love him for that. But it's funny that when we talk about, um, you know, maybe even meeting new people and then going on dates with people so often early on, um, you know, in my own experience and experiences of friends, um, that comes up, you know, do you like camping? And, and I've found that it's actually for my gay friends, often a really, um, a a big point of contention, you know, when, when their values and, and interests in that area don't align. Um, because for somebody who really likes being outside, um, you know, the thought of dragging a reluctant partner with them is um, terrible, really. I mean, I mean, they want to be able to do one of the things they love the most and be in the place they love the most with the person they love the most. And so I think that that can actually be a really um, a big challenge for people in relationships. Um, but of course, that's often for people that, you know, have decidedly said, you know, I, I don't really want to get into the outdoors. For the people that do... Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that there are, um, you, you know, and I'm not part of them, but I, I know that there's um, a number of different organizations in the city that, um, you know, connect queer people to um, different sort of sports and things like that. So, you know, I'd imagine that there's probably organizations, um, you know, in contacting a place like the Pride Center that might be able to put them in touch with those kinds of groups, um, because I think that there are communities out there. And I think that, um you know, a lot of outdoors people are, are really wonderful people that, you know, would be happy to kind of take somebody new under their wing and, and you know, show them the ropes, so to speak. Um, you know, even just for a little weekend camping trip, you know, nothing nothing too extreme. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, maybe maybe a gap, maybe something that we, um, I guess, as a queer community and an outdoors community need to do uh, a little more work on is, you know, figuring out how to make it uh, more accessible for people that don't have those experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a question that's still open. Well, I think that that is a question and it does have, um, new growing answers and kind of a growing movement or push to create more, more spaces and more resources, but especially for mm-hmm. adults is still developing and, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, as, as somebody who works in sort of youth camping, not, not an area of focus for mine, but, uh, you know, we're always thinking about how we can grow our program. And, and one of the things that we talk about sometimes is, uh, you know, putting on an adult camp. So maybe that'll be one of the, you know, things you'll see camp masculinity doing in the future is adult camping weeks and, uh, you know, making sure that that's really queer inclusive too. I can imagine uh, an off-season camping, <laughs> winter, fall, being very oh, yeah. popular if you keep the I talent. I think there's lots of potential. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'd be there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our interview with Kevin McBean. Kevin is an English teacher and member of the board of directors of Camp Maskpatoon. There's still a lot of progress that needs to be made, and we encourage you to take some time, think about the places you know and love, and ruminate on how we can make these spaces more welcoming. Thanks for taking the time to sit with us and share your experiences, and thank you Elizabeth Dowdell for doing the interview. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM. 
If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at tara at cjsr.com. I have been your host, Skylar Lippman. Thanks for listening.